Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marcheseau fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marcheseau. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace out on the homestead. Millard Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. <laughs> Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Go congratulations, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada. It's uh, been one heck of a ride so far, and last night was another big step. Ryan Wallace, we went through Minnesota, banished the mystique of the wild, uh, overcame the President's Trophy-winning Colorado Avalanche, who had a 2 nothing series lead, and last night we uh, let it be known to all of Canada that the Vegas Golden Knights are the Indeed, the hottest team in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. No, the New York Islanders are on a bit of a roll, but uh, that was an impressive performance last night by the Golden Knights. Great goaltending and uh, impressive depth scoring. Uh, The blue line came through. Imagine there was a time during these playoffs where we were thinking, Where's all the offense? The goals from the uh, the blue line. They led the National Hockey League from uh, points and goals from the blue line during the regular season. It's just pumping right now. It was uh, it was a pretty solid workmanlike performance last night to take the opener of the Stanley Cup semifinal. Yeah, I you know I looked at that game last night for for me as I was kind of viewing the Golden Knights and and how they match up and how the Canadians match up with Vegas as. You know, that game kind of went the way that I expected it to. Once the Golden Knights were able to kind of get to their game, uh, I thought that they started to control the pace of play. And obviously playing with a lead takes away some of of Montreal's comfort in in trying to counterattack. But we got great goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury, great goaltending from Carey Price, and it was overall an entertaining game. For the for the opener in the Stanley Cup semifinals, could that game's result been determined fifty eight seconds into the first period? Is it is it too much to to state that? <laughs> Probably no. But but there no. was a a one time opportunity for Brendan Gallagher at the fifty eight yeah. second mark of the first period, and Mark Andre Fleury came over and made a massive save. Now there was. 59 seconds, uh, 59 minutes and two seconds to go uh, in the game. But that kind of let everybody know Marc-Andre Fleury, who was spectacular in round one, better in round two, is ready to go in round three against uh, arguably his uh, top challenger at the other end. Yeah, 100%. I I thought Marc-Andre Fleury was dialed in uh, right from the beginning, and I I don't know if you can say that the game was determined in the first 58 seconds, but it became very clear that it was going to take a lot of effort for the Montreal Canadiens to find offense the way that Marc-Andre Fleury announced himself in this series with that save on Brendan Gallagher. Uh, Seven minutes into the game, the shots were 8-4 in favor of Montreal. You'd had a a kerfuffle uh, around the Vegas net in which Marc-Andre Fleury took Gallagher's helmet and tossed it down the ice and then uh, threw the stick down the vom uh, where the uh, Zamboni comes out, where the ice crew came out. Uh, That was during a TV timeout. The referees, uh, the officials, did retrieve the stick. Uh, Don't worry about that. But it was... uh, 
there is there is some antics, there is some action, and there is a response uh, by by Mark Andre Fleury who did his thing. Like he just he bought them time. That was a bookend performance because uh, when you look at the final four <laughs> minutes, Montreal played without their best player for the final four minutes because Carey Price was yeah. on on the bench. It was a six on five. <laughs> For four minutes and change, and uh, again, Flurry uh, held the fort. He had he had a cushion there, uh, and in between, it, you got uh, you got the Golden Knights finding their their sea legs. Uh, right when I look at that and and ev- evaluate last night, my takeaway is both teams can play better. Uh, the result sure. was deserved, and just uh, for the Golden Knights. I'm not sure the goalies can play any better. In in all reality, that probably should have been like a seven four game. Same same goal differential, <laughs> but if there is two human beings in net, that should have been a seven four game. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I mean, there's what three opportunities that I can think of off the top of my head that should have been sure goals for the Vegas Golden Knights. It was Mark Stone getting absolutely robbed by Carey Price. Jonathan Marsh is so absolutely robbed by Carey Price. And then it was Stone just missing Chandler Stevenson with a backdoor tap-in. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's being conservative, right? Like, those are three plays that stand out in my mind from last night's game. And then you look at the Montreal Canadiens. They certainly created enough dangerous looks for Marc-Andre Fleury, especially uh, at the beginning of the game and late in the game with Carey Price pulled. This is uh, going to be a series that I think is largely going to be dominated by the brilliance of both goaltenders, and I- I'm okay with it. Like I- I'm-, I'm in it because I'll tell you, you, you watch Marc-Andre Fleury stack the pads, you watch him extend to rob Josh Anderson, and then you look at Carey Price coming across and getting a glove on that Mark Stone chance. That's exciting hockey. It was incredibly fun last night. Uh, I'll tell you how good the Carey Price save on, on Mark Stone uh, was. My 14-year-old daughter was there with yeah. a friend, and she was talking about mm-hmm. the windmill save on the way home. And then she looked at me and went, it's called a windmill, <laughs> right, Dad? I said, yeah, it's, it's called a windmill. Uh, and she she likes the sport. I wouldn't say she loves the sport, but she likes the sport and uh, yeah. and will will tend to get distracted uh, at times during the game with the show, which was, by the way, the best uh, yet last night. The, the show uh, around the opening of the game and and then the, the DJs uh, during the uh, intermissions, like it was rocking last night. And uh, and yeah, she was uh, she was all over that save and the, the two pad stack by Flurry at the end. Just like lying down on the goal line, like vintage. Like, who's, who comes up with that? It, it was it was so calm, cool, and collected, yeah. right? Like he just kind of lays out, and it's just like oh, I'm going to be here. You guys aren't going to score, and it's going to be fantastic. It was fin- it was well done. It was like he was on the couch, like it was it was that casual. Yeah. Or do you call like it? That's a sofa? how I'm going to watch the Islanders and the Lightning. Yeah. Do you call it oh, a sofa or a like, couch? That's how I'm. Uh, couch. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's differences in couches and sofas a little bit. But what is yeah, what I is the difference couch. between the two? I think one like like a couch is more comfortable, and a sofa is one that you can't sit on. Like, like we've all been to that. <laughs> it's a decoration. That, like, building, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a yeah. sofa is a, def- a decoration. A couch is something that you can actually use. Oh, there you go. Let 
Let me know. I want to know if Ryan's right on this, and, and I hope he is, because uh, that's some that's some knowledge uh, dropping on us. Mike Rupp's going to join us from the NHL Network in just a little bit, and then we're going to uh, open the doors to uh, J.P. Morosi, John Morosi, who's covering the Stanley Cup semifinal series between Vegas and Montreal for the NHL Network. Uh, also, uh, also uh, a great uh, a journalist with uh, Major League Baseball, and uh, he uh, is a hockey fan. Uh, he's a baseball guy, like with his with his nine to five job, but uh, every year he gets to come over and do the Stanley Cup semifinals uh, and or the the com- one of the conference finals, and he loves it. So uh, he's going to uh, share some of uh, his um, experiences so far. And uh, one other thing, uh, th- there's a bit of news about the Oakland A's and in Las Vegas. And uh, we'll maybe pick his brain about that. So it just works out that there's uh, uh, two reasons for him to stop by. Uh, where where do you think Vegas won won that game last night, Ryan? So for me, I, I think that it was a matter of of getting depth contributions. Like if you look at the Golden Knights and you look at the ability to to find <clears throat> goal scoring from different places in the lineup, that really is where. I think they were able to win that game. Of course, you get the the first goal of the playoffs from Shea Theodore. That's a player that you kind of expect to find the back of the net. Uh, but then you, you look at uh, contributions from Nick Holden. Alec Martinez, who's been very, very good. You get three goals from your defense. Um, and then it's, it's Matias Janmark and, and Alex Tuck kind of connecting on a play where I think the Golden Knights needed an answer after Montreal scored uh, to make it 2-1. to one. Like, I, I look at depth, and that to me was kind of the difference in that game for, for the Golden Knights. And, and, you know, maybe I would, I would guess a, a talent discrepancy, but, but overall it's depth. And making the moment last, and they scored the first goal, and they were able to add to it, and they were able to force Montreal to chase the game last night, which is something that uh, hadn't happened in a long time, going back uh, two series for the Montreal Canadiens as we bring in Mike Rupp, uh, former National Hockey Leaguer from the uh, NHL Network, who uh, joins us, uh, analyst on the TV side, and now uh, bringing us uh, his deep, dark thoughts about the Stanley Cup semifinals uh, on Fox Sports Las Vegas with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Uh, Rupper, uh, what do you think of the opener between the Golden Knights and Montreal? Give me your uh, your Coles notes. What's up, fellas? I uh, like the intro there. Yeah, no, uh, the, the opener was uh, was good. I mean, the first the first period, I'll tell you what, I was actually rather surprised how the Montreal Canadiens came out. I think that uh, if, if they would have been able to, to, to tuck one or two by Marc-Andre Fleury, maybe could have had a different feel in that game, but it just shows that this this Vegas team can kind of weather that. They can get some good goaltending there, keep a, keep uh, keep Montreal blanked, and then next thing you know, just kind of start taking over the game. Because after that first period, I felt like there was it was all Vegas, and uh, they just did a lot of the things. They pressured, they took advantage of um, turnovers, and uh, I, I thought it was a, a really good game. I, I thought personally, Alex Tuck was the best player on the ice for both teams. Uh, I mean, maybe. Maybe I won't throw Flower under the bus. Flower is pretty darn good, too. But uh, as far as a skater, Alex Tuck was the man, and he made a lot of things happen in that game, and it was a big game one win. Including a, a big hit uh, on a back check, and then that resulted in a turnover, and they went the other way. I, I was a little bit uh, taken aback by uh, how physical and how not nasty, but a little greasy during the course uh, of the game for two teams that hadn't played in 15 months. Yeah, and I, I, you know what? It's a, a perfect example of this, and, and we were just talking about it on, on NHL Network today, too. It's um, Brendan Gallagher. We, we know what he brings, 
and from the get-go. I mean, at one point, Flower was coming out of the net to get a little shot in on him, too. And, I mean, how perfect is that? You, you don't have to love him. A lot of other fan bases can't stand him. But that's a guy that you talk about. We always use those phrases and those about dragging your team into a fight. And, and he does that. I mean, you want, as a team, as a player in the league, especially like you mentioned, you don't see that team throughout the year. You're not in the same conference. And with this year, you never even seen each other play. You need to have hatred early on. And I thought Brandon Gallagher brought that, and Vegas responded accordingly and, and started to, get to play that physical game. I think it's good, and it'll bring out the, the best in both teams. And we saw that early on. I mean, what a difference. Put it this way. What a different feel from game one of that series than the Tampa yeah. Islanders one. Completely different. And that, and that series, they, they're familiar with each other. They played each other uh, last year in the conference uh, final, and I thought there'd be a little bit more nastiness. Uh, that one's a uh, more feeling out uh, process. As we chat with Mike Rupp, former National Hockey Leaguer, joins us from the NHL Network on Fox Sports Las Vegas with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. You know, Mike, I want to go back to your comment on Alex talk and kind of creating and adding layers to your game. For for a lot of fans, I, I think that you look at that and you say, okay, how is it going to impact the score sheet? But I think for me, with Alex Tuck adding the physicality to his game that we saw not only in game one but throughout these playoffs, it just makes him that much harder to play against. Yeah, he's got he's got certain things, and, and I'm not trying to compare these two as a player, and some people this might strike a nerve, but we always talk about Tom Wilson in this league and how rare he is, right? And he is. And we always say, well, all 32 teams, obviously, including Seattle, would, would love to have a guy like that. Absolutely. Every single one would. Well, Alex Tuck, completely different player, but he's just such a rarity. I mean, when you see what he can do and the way he's developing as a player, and he's still young and he's had these experiences, so those plays that he made uh, as far as that finishing that hit on Gustafs and creating that turnover, and he drew a penalty later on. He's just, he just is, his ability to make a difference, even if it's not on the score sheet, is, 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 is really good. And I think that bodes really well for the future uh, of his career, but he is so rare because of that size and that speed and his hands. And he had that opportunity where everybody thought, geez, I thought it was a goal. And the call on the game thought it was a goal when he came breaking in there. It's just, it's effortless. I mean, he's a guy that when he skates, it doesn't look like his legs are going. They're not like Pistons, like Connor McDavid. Or if you see Jonathan Marsh so get going, you see his legs going up and down, up and down. Like you're like, whoa, that guy's flying. Alex Tuck floats. He's got that long stride. Such a rare, I don't know if there's any comparable. I guess the closest comparable, I would say, in this league to Alex Tuck is probably Josh Anderson. And I don't think they're really close as players. I think Alex Tuck is way more consistent, and he comes through in, in, in more uh, consistent ways for the biggest gold night. So he's really come a long way in his short career, and I'm excited to see where he goes. You know, that's a great comparison because both players uh, have had coaches where they've talked to the athletes and said, use your size more. Like you've got this great body and you've got this speed. You take it to the net, go to the net more. And both players actually did it last night and uh, and created bo- great chances. The thing about Tuck, though, is he's still learning and he's young. Uh, I, I it kinda, It's kind of scary to think where he'll be in two years on this progression. I think, and this is, it's, I mean, I, I love this Vegas team. I love the build of it. It's hard to predict the future, but I, I would have to, if his progression keeps continuing like this, he'll be the centerpiece for that forward group. And uh, that, that's how that's how good this guy is. And, and you mentioned it about the size. And this is something that, you know, <laughs> my later years of playing, um, 
you know, uh, late, late in my career when I was kind of just playing out my contract and I knew that I wasn't going to be, you know, re-signing. I was getting too, too old and weathered to play in the league. But <laughs> I, I started kind of taking it upon, like, working with some guys on the team. I remember when I was in Minnesota, Charlie Coyle is an example. Big kid. Yep. Super, super skilled. I just would sit there, and he hasn't fully grasped it to this degree. He has it when he had that great run with the Boston Bruins, uh, you know, in the, when they lost to the um, the Blues in the in the finals. He kind of put it together. But, like, here's the thing, and I learned this in my career. I learned it a little differently because mine was more revolving around, like, physicality and fighting, per se. But, like, it's so hard as a big guy to come into the NHL. And I did it 23. On my 23rd birthday, I had my first NHL game. You're coming in there and you're looking across the ice and you're seeing Eric Lindros and you're seeing these big guys. You don't, you're still, a, you're still a young kid, right? You don't, you don't look at like I'm as big as those guys. I'm as strong as those guys. It takes a long time to really start to understand. I can kind of do whatever I want out here, and I think that that's the key thing with a lot of these guys. And we always say big players take longer to develop. Why? Because it takes a while to understand. I could do whatever I want out here. I think Alex Tuck is learning that really at a really young age that usually doesn't, you guys don't learn that until they're 28, 27. He's starting to learn that. He's realizing all I need is a half a step. You give me a half a step, I'm going to stick that knee out, drop the hip, lower the shoulder. I'm going to drive to the net. Guess what? You're either going to have to pull me down or I'm going to go in there and we're going to create some chaos. I'm going to get a scoring chance. He learns those things. And I, I, I have to assume that it's getting the coaching that's saying, hey, you can do what you want out here, and nobody is going to say a dang thing about it. And when he leans on you, he leans on you. Uh, we are with Mike Rupp on the VGK Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas, with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. You know, Mike, uh, this season Alex Petrangelo took uh, some heat in Vegas simply because you, you go out, you make that big acquisition, you expect the acclimation process to be seamless. And, you know, Petrangelo had to, to battle through some stuff throughout this year, but I think right now in the playoffs you're, you're seeing exactly why the Golden Knights went out and got Alex Petrangelo. He's been brilliant in the playoffs, and last night was no exception. Yeah, no, he's been great. Um, you know, outside of every other commercial being him on the Honda Odyssey commercial. <laughs> if we could get past, if I could get past that, uh, his game was phenomenal. It was great in game one. I love what he brought. Uh, he's, he's, he's a guy that I, I was never that player, right? I, I was never that, that top, uh, pit, uh, sorry, uh, the top free agent signing like Alex Petrangelo was. Um, but I played with guys that were. And it's hard. It's tough to come in with those expectations. Expectations is such a dangerous thing in, in sports because expectations, it's easy to do it when no one's thinking much about you, right? But now that there's expectation, now you're going to see the real cream rise to the, the, the top. And I think that that's what you're seeing with this guy. It's getting to be money time here for Alex Petrangelo. And his game's getting better. Was he dominant and, and dialed in all the way through this first season? No. I usually think it takes players, especially high-end players like that, it takes almost a solid year for them to find how they specifically fit into that group and can kind of excel to their capabilities. He's starting to figure that out here, and uh, it's perfect time for it. He was uh, an absolute beast. And the thing I love about this team, too, coming in this year, and I'll say when I'm wrong because I'm wrong often, but I'm right a lot of times, too, <laughs> it's about the center ice position. That was the thing coming into the season. I'm like, I don't love their center ice. I love their individual players, but they don't have a number one center. They, don't have, they might not have a number two center uh, on what you would consider Stanley Cup team. But know what they did in this group, and I love it. 
is they looked at this group and they said, listen, we're going to take some equity maybe instead of that, that money or, or that our value at center ice, we're going to move it to our decor, and we're going to make that our, 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 our money position. And they did that. Now you're looking, and the defense is driving the offense in the playoffs for this team. And, and I think that's great. They're kind of reinventing the wheel here. I don't know now if you, if you have to have – your prototypical number one center. I don't know if you have to have uh, Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid or these types of players. I, I don't think that many teams are going to have that, but you know what they did? We're going to have a great decor, guys who can be innings eaters. They can log minutes. They can go out here and do a thing. And Petrangelo has been real nice. And that Shea Theodore fake, pump fake last night, I mean, oh. uh, the other night, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. This decor is driving this team. It's fun to watch. That's one of the best goaltenders of all time, and he bit on the fake. That's how good exactly. it was uh, with uh, Shea Theodore putting it over to Alec Martinez. On, on the center ice uh, comment, I, I agree with you. It's not the traditional way to build a team, but Chandler Stevenson makes Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone better. They've had other players in and out uh, of that spot. He makes he's That line's better with him, and same with Will Carlson. And you might be onto something with the, uh, with the uh, idea of, of reinventing the, the wheel. I will take issue with one point. Like you say, you've never been that guy in Alex Petrangelo. I I disagree. You guys both scored Stanley Cup clinching goals, man. You you've been you <laughs> All right. you've been there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, hey, listen, and that, that that that's a part about it too. That when you talk about the, the strategically adding pieces to this mix from day one, season one at the Vegas Golden Knights, there's that chip on the shoulder, right? That that you know what was it? Was it the Golden Misfits? Yeah. That's that's still prevalent. That's still something. These guys got a chip on their shoulder. I see it every single day when I see Jonathan Marshall hit the ice. I love it. I love the attitude they have. Now it's about adding guys who've been there. And this team's been there, but they haven't gotten over the top. They had the guys over the last couple of years who've gotten over the top, and now all of a sudden you're sitting here thinking, like, this might be the team now. Rupper, uh, we like the way you're thinking right there. Uh, drive safely, be well, and we'll chat with you real soon. Hopefully we'll see you uh, at a Stanley Cup uh, final if it's in Las Vegas. Awesome, fellas. Looking forward to it. Be good. There's Mike Rupp, uh, former National Hockey Laker, works for the NHL Network, scored the Stanley Cup clinching goal, which, you know what? Vegas has a couple of guys that did this exact same thing. Hey, Ryan? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I look at the Golden Knights right now, and, and I say to myself that this is a team that's added a lot in terms of Stanley Cup championship um, experience and you, you look at Alec Martinez and and the big big moment you look at Alex Petrangelo and what he was able to do with the St. Louis Blues and I just I look at this team and they're well equipped to to continue the run that they're on right now and I also think the path that they've had so far in the playoffs playing against the Minnesota Wild having that be a tough seven game series going up against one of the top teams in the league in Colorado and finding their their legs finding their game and taking that series over like that road that the Golden Knights have traveled so far sets them up incredibly well the rest of the way yes seven six I like the what what they've got going on here like if, if they can continue <laughs> the countdown uh, I'd be all for that. A, a, a five in the Stanley Cup semifinals would be just fine by me. You on board? Yeah, I mean, I I think that five would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm I'm never ever ever, and I never will kind of be that guy that says four. So yeah, let's go five. I'm good with five. That is that for me? Is that in order enough for you? You know yeah, where I'm going with work. this? No, actually, actually, it's it's counting counting backwards. So I don't I don't like that. Like, <laughs> wow. So so we had this thing last night on the post game show. You're so mean to me. I'm so mean. To me. It's, it's it's not meant to be mean, uh, but it's interesting. No, and, and the and the only reason why I'm bringing it up right now is because yeah. uh, John Palmarosi is coming up. Uh, he's a, he's normally a baseball guy, but covers the Stanley Cup semifinals, uh, and uh, he's been in tons of stadiums. And I want to ask him if there's a proper direction to perform the wave because he's baseball, he's hockey, he's saying it both. Mm-hmm. Because you brought up something last night to me during the course of the third period that really bothered you because the wave was going counterclockwise. Once yeah. I figured out what that meant, I'm like, what do you mean counterclockwise? Like, it just goes, oh, yeah, you're right. It's going counterclockwise. It's, I didn't, and I, my first reaction was I didn't know there was a proper way to do the wave. Jeff looked it up, and yep. and it's sixty percent of of the waves in stadiums do go clockwise. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of on the yes. money, but so I think it's still totally weird. Un, totally unscientific uh, poll going on right now on Twitter. You can follow me at Ryan Hockey Guy. You can answer the the poll question. Um, I've got 68% saying clockwise, 32% saying cl- counterclockwise. So um, I feel like I'm more vindicated by uh, by people on Twitter, which is fantastic. But it's it's a it's a thing. Like it, for okay. me, I can't I can't do it. I, I can't I can't well, watch a clock physically go counterclockwise. I don't like things not going in the proper direction based on on how I expect them to go. I'm going to ask Morosi the question and try and have it generic and see whether he offers up an, uh, a, a comment that goes in your way of thinking or uh, against mm-hmm. you. Uh, interesting. And then we'll get into the series. Uh, John Paul Morosi covering the Stanley Cup semifinal. Vegas off to a one nothing lead. They win the opener of a series for the first time in 2021. And boy, was it fun to watch. Fun if you were there in person. And uh, a bit of a relief uh, to have the opener uh, go the Golden Knights way. We'll continue on the VGK Insider Show with hour number one on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And they come at even strength. Left side, Carlson towards Smith. Extra pass, Kareem's in front. Theodore fakes, right wing shot. They score! Martinez! 2-0 Vegas! We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Dan Duva with a call. One of the four goals the Golden Knights scored in the opener to take the Stanley Cup semifinal lead against the Montreal Canadiens. One game to none. Game two tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. What will they have in store for us then? Uh, by the way, there was a, uh, a newlywed couple there last night, an hour into their marriage, and uh, the dude just marched right down the stairs, about 25 feet ahead of his bride, who was in uh, full uh, wedding <laughs> gown, uh, and they both had... Big ass beers and sat down, but he was not missing warm up. Uh, it was uh, it was one of those moments. Uh, a buddy of mine said they looked like they've been married ten years. The way he was marking, walking so far in uh, in front. But uh, I thought that was uh, a cool little moment uh, among others uh, last night and a spectacular start to the final four. Here's John Morosi from MLB Network, uh, but covers the Stanley Cup semifinals or the conference finals on a normal year uh, for uh, the NHL Network. Uh, John, uh, good to have you in our fair city. Uh, 
uh, even though it's a little toasty. <laughs> 118 degrees as, as I rolled into the to the station today. Uh, it, you're good that you can't go outside, that you're quarantined, you can't do uh, all the regular Vegas things. Yeah, well, good evening, uh, Darren and Ryan. I tell you what, the view looks gorgeous. Uh, I, I see sunshine out the window, which is great. Uh, it's given me time to, to really catch up on my hockey immersion here. But I, I, I love being in Vegas. What an amazing atmosphere last night. Uh, I, was, I was thinking earlier today, uh, how much in certainly a unique way that it reminded me of the last time I was here for the Western Final in 2018. And when you think about that, if you can compare something in 2021 to something in 2018, that's a pretty amazing experience, and that's exactly what I think we all felt last night. Boy, how much of the world has changed, but uh, is the same uh, during those uh, those four years. You come at this from a, uh, a national network uh, angle. So give me some of your storylines that uh, that you take from going into last night and then how they evolved coming out of the game. Well, it's always so interesting because, uh, you know, certainly I think a lot of us looked at it and said, oh, here we have Max Pacioretty facing his former team. What a great storyline that is. And, and coming out of it, I think a lot of it has to do with the Vegas defense. And another former captain, and Alex Petrangelo, just how active he was. I remember Darren... I covered the Western Final two years ago, St. Louis and San Jose, and I thought Alex looked a lot younger uh, last night than he did two years ago. Mm. He just was all over the place, and it was incredible to watch. You know, he's someone who I've always looked at as as a Hall of Fame player. I, I really believe that. When you look at his career, his longevity, what he has done offensively and defensively, of course, a gold medalist at the Sochi Olympics. But I think you look at him, and he's, he's come along at a time where he's been compared to so many of the other great Canadian defensemen of his time, whether it's Weber, of course, in this very same series, or Dowdy or Keith. And I think he just brings such a unique brand uh, on, on both sides of his game that, that really is, is unique, I think. Uh, and this is really a, a great stage for him. And think about this. If he wins uh, a cup this year, and so it's two cups in three years with two different teams, one is the captain, one is clearly a member of the leadership group of this team and, and a driving force of this defensive core. You could just tell how he really, when he's jumping up on the play the way that he did last night, it really gets momentum and gathers momentum for the rest of the group. And, and last night, guys, i got to tell you, that was as impressive of a showing as I've seen from a collective defensive group, six defensemen in a conference final or semifinal this stage of the season in a long time. That was a clinic last night. John Morosi with us from the NHL Network covering the Stanley Cup semifinal and stopping by on the VGK Radio Network on Fox Sports Las Vegas with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. You know, John, this series is a lot about expectations, right, for the Golden Knights. They expect to be here. They expect to go beyond this round for the Montreal Canadiens. They didn't necessarily expect to be here, but now that they're in this series, you've got to try to make the most of it, see if you can continue to push this Cinderella story as far as you can. Why is the weight of the expectation not a bad thing for the Golden Knights? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Ryan, because I think you're right on the Montreal side that, that uh, of course, as all of us who are hockey fans know, just the, the pressure to, to win a cup when you're playing for the Canadians, it's the same pressure that the New York Yankees face every year, the same pressure the Dallas Cowboys face every year. It's, it's, it's the logo, and it's the history, and, and you feel the weight of that and the expectations and the demands of it. And I, and I think that uh, we've learned a lot about that just through uh, hearing from Max Petrarch's experiences there, of course, just what 
uh, what Montreal means and, and certainly what the opportunity now in Vegas is. And so I, I think when you look at these two teams um, on paper, there is, I think, the first of all, this version of the Golden Knights is more talented top to bottom than the 2018 version. I think that's clear. I also think that, that in terms of the, the skating, uh, the, the skaters at least, you would say, uh, the 18 skaters, that, uh, that overall the talent edge belongs to Vegas as well, even within the context of this series. And so I think to that point, you look at the dynamics of the league now and the flat salary cap that we're expecting to see next season, and when you get to this stage, you got to win. And because while it, the window might seem like it's open forever, it really never is, especially in the capped league. And so while this is the best version of the Golden Knights that I think we've ever seen, this also might be their, their best chance. And, this, and, and by that means, what if next year there's an injury or another team emerges? You never know, which is why when, when the opportunity presents itself, uh, you have to cash in, and I really think that when you consider the, the, the arrival of names like Stone and Petrangelo and, and, and Martinez and Pacioretty to this group since 2018, my goodness, uh, this is a, a very special opportunity for what I think is probably the most talented team left in the playoffs. John Morosi chatting with us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, you've been to, I don't know how many stadiums you've probably been to this year, but uh, a handful, uh, I, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh how, how does it compare? I know last night's a, a, a semifinal of a of a major professional sports league, so it's a little more rabid. But uh, capacity-wise, uh, uh, event-wise, production-wise, uh, can you compare it to, to what you've been through? Well, it's unique, Darren, and, and I, I love the game presentation here. Uh, I, I love how authentic it is to, to the city, to the fan base, to the organization. Uh, it's, it's a pure joy and excitement that I feel – uh, from the fans for this team. And I, I, th- I think the only, in terms of recent NHL buildings that I've been to, I, I would compare it maybe a bit to Nashville uh, when I was covering them in the Western Final a few years ago. Um, and and I, I make the point with Nashville in that Nashville's now a, about, what, 20-year-old franchise, a little older than that, and, and, they, and they still uh, have this this newness, but also a real bond with the community. And so I, I, I mention that here in the context to say, I expect if, if we come back for a Stanley Cup final or a Western final or a, uh, a quarterfinal first round series uh, years from now, 15 years from now, I expect this building is still going to be just as excited as it is now because you, you've built a, a culture of winning and connection to the fan base. And, and you would both know better than me, the people of Las Vegas are never going to forget which major league sports franchise was the first here. And I really think that that's a, that's a part of history in this town that's never going to be lost. And you feel that when you're in the building. You really do. And, and I've, I've often said, Darren, just there's, you know, and I've been really lucky in my career to, to cover three special events in, in different venues and uh, major league baseball especially, but the, the, the buzz in the building before an NHL playoff game is, is unique. It, it's, it's something that I don't even feel when I'm at, Michigan Stadium for a U of M game, of course, that's a big part of my heart. But just, but you don't feel that same just going through warmups and what that's like. As you mentioned, the the young couple making sure they were in their seats for that warmup. Yeah. I, I understand why, uh, because you want to, you want to have uh, those moments and that feeling of the goosebumps and the anticipation. That's that's one of the great things about hockey. So I, I was certainly there. I was there this year when the Dodgers got their rings with their home opener. That was special, uh, and they were starting to get more and more fans back and. 
I've been to, I guess, eight, nine games, uh, nine different venues of, of, for baseball this year, which has been special. But, guys, i got to tell you, something special about Vegas and hockey and the way this team and this city are so connected. Uh, that's very cool. Uh, one more pure hockey question, then I've got a couple of fun ones for you. Uh, Ryan? Sure. You know, John, when you look at this series and, and Marc-Andre Fleury, he, he's going up against Carey Price. Obviously, the goaltending matchup is is a phenomenal one. But when you look at this year for Marc-Andre Fleury, bouncing back from last year, authoring perhaps uh, one of his best as a pro in the NHL, like how does this chapter end in, in the story of Marc-Andre Fleury this year? I look at it and say, well, certainly, number one, it would not at all be a surprise if he wins the Cup and he's there and, and maybe even wins the Cup twice at that point when you consider what he's done for this team this season. I was looking up the numbers, guys, and this, to me, I was going back in my mind saying, okay, how many times have we seen uh, this many different acts for a, for a goaltender in his career uh, winning uh, potentially a Cup this late uh, and, and, and finding – Finding that that next gear and that next creativity, and interestingly, the he now has Flower has the, the second lowest goals against average ever for a goalie who's 36 or older in a playoff run that's gone at least this deep, so 13 games, wow. and the only one in history that's better than what Flower has done so far this playoff was Hashik in 07, and so with Detroit. And so, and that really, to me, is is the one name that pops into my mind. Of course, watching wow. the different acts of Hashik's career, yeah. and he kind of retired, didn't really came back. He had a couple great runs, even into his forties, uh, and and that's kind of what Flower reminds me of. It's that same sort of acrobatic style, and, and that's where he's thirty six. And again, I mentioned that Hashik Hashik was forty two that year. Like, this is not something where we should expect Flurry to to win a cup and then right off in the sunset and be done. Like, why? He, he, he looks tremendous. I mean, that, that, that push he had late to save that, that shot from Caulfield last night, left to right, yeah. he looked as athletic as he did save, making the save on Lindstrom 12 years ago. And, <laughs> and he's, he's just got a phenomenal love for the game and the great athleticism, and I really enjoy watching him play. Uh, spoken like a true Michiganer. Michigander, whatever you call yourselves. Yes. Uh, not, you, you, you're never going to forget that diving stop on Lidstrom. Uh, I'm never going to forget that save. I, I worked in a Hashik reference. I could say that Chris had a great late career run as well. A lot, a lot of Wings references in a very short amount of time. Like okay, here, I want I want the update. Uh, apparently the A's people are coming back to, to Vegas for another look-see. Uh, do, you, do you think it's possible that the A's move to Vegas? Well, Darren, it's a great question, and uh, I think there, whenever it comes to expansion, and you know this very well from from how quiet or, or relocation, I should say, how quiet things were in, in Winnipeg, at least yeah. from a public standpoint, until the Thrashers moved there. It was basically that week, and there were probably half a dozen people who really knew what was going on. So I, I, I think this, that the interest of MLB in, in moving here when you consider um, a lot of the, the business decisions that they've made at the league-wide level in recent years. I think the league's interest in finding a, a suitable long-term home new ballpark for, for the A's, is that is real. I think their interest in Las Vegas is genuine. And the complexity of California and the Bay Area and finding a, a spot to, to build a new stadium is, is real. I mean, there's basically right now with the A's, there is one more shot at, at – that downtown venue that they talked about, 
because they basically have decided the Coliseum site will no longer be suitable for a major league franchise as soon as they can get the team out of there, uh, either to move downtown Oakland or somewhere else. And so they basically have one more option there. And if that option doesn't work out, then it seems pretty apparent to me that the franchise is moving. It's just a question of where. And I do think that the that MLB, from the standpoint of scheduling and just the way the league is mapped out, I do think it makes sense for that team to stay west if you possibly can. So whether it's Portland, whether it's Vegas, I, there's not a ton of options. I, I've always believed that Vancouver could be a fit at some point, mm-hmm. but I think that Las Vegas is much further along. And to your point, two visits in the span of several weeks, couple months, is a pretty good indication of interest. And I, so I think MLB's interest in Vegas is sincere. We obviously have seen pro sports work here at the major league level twice over here now, and, and I, I think for a lot of reasons this is a very, very appealing place to be. And I, I think how it plays out, it's hard to know. It really depends as much on the governmental and business interests of the Bay Area and California, which is well above my pay grade. But I, but I, do, I do believe strongly that the interest of baseball in Vegas is very sincere. They're riding the Golden Knights coattail. They proved it could work, and it, and it is. Now, okay, last one. Uh, did you notice anything odd about the wave that uh, took place in the bowl last night in the third period? The wave. Now, I have to. Uh, I, I have to say that I did not pay especially close attention to the wave. But if you fill me in on it, then I, I'll, I'm sure I'll have an answer okay. for you. Uh, apparently, it went counterclockwise, and Ryan Wallace uh, here uh, was yeah. thrown off by that, and he's he's just never witnessed that before, and it, it certainly bothered him. I didn't know that counterclockwise or clockwise was a thing with the wave, but uh, it 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 became one last <laughs> night. That's so interesting. So yeah. I'll tell you this. Like, I've been in, I mentioned Michigan Stadium earlier. Uh, of course, my hometown, so I've, I've been to a lot of games there, and it's a pretty special place. But there are some times uh, when, if it's the third, fourth quarter of a, of a uh, usually a game when Michigan's leading comfortably, which doesn't happen all that often, but uh, when it does, the, the fans will sometimes send the wave in different directions. And then one of my favorites is, the super slow-mo wave. Oh. And so they will just do the super slow-mo wave where, <laughs> if you can imagine, like everybody's arms are raising up ever so. It takes like a good three, four, five seconds to complete your activity of the wave. And and honestly, the way that looks around the stadium when you got 110,000 people doing it, it's pretty interesting. So I would say uh, I love the fan atmosphere here, but at some point, guys, we'll have to get the super slow-mo wave. Could be clockwise. Could be counterclockwise, but that's that's kind of like that next level. If the Golden Knights have a comfortable lead in one of these playoff games, buddy, you are a genius. I love that. We gotta we gotta get that going uh, tomorrow night. That'll throw th- Ryan. Ryan will have to leave the stadium. Uh, he'll have to leave T-Mobile. That'll just uh, complete. <laughs> no, hey, no, no. Uh, like listen, you can go with a slow mo clockwise wave, and I'm good with that. That'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, counterclockwise. Just gotta be clockwise. You know, there, there's. I, I suppose, like like Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, maybe there's some <laughs> some element of that uh, where clockwise or counterclockwise. It's very interesting. I, yeah. I, I've never thought of it that way, but now I've got a good homework assignment to chart uh, in my professional sports travels yeah. how many times is clockwise versus counterclockwise. Mm, I love it. I'd never thought of it either. Uh, hey, last time you were on, uh, your wife had just been vaccinated. Uh, she's a healthcare yeah. worker. Uh, how is she doing, and uh, and how are, how are you doing? Well, thank you, Darren, for asking. I appreciate it. We're doing well. Uh, both 
both Alexis and I fully vaccinated uh, have been for a uh, number of weeks now for me, months for her. Um, and so it's, it's certainly great. You know, we've got three young kids. So just to get them back and, yeah. and a lot of the outdoor activities they love at this time of year, but we're, we're doing well. I, I think still, uh, I think like all of us, right. Just trying to see, okay, what's, what's safe. What do we do? How do we feel about everything? But, uh, to me, uh, it really gives me great peace of mind to, to travel now again for work and do what I love and, and to be vaccinated and to know that I have that in the back of my mind where, where yes, I'm still being careful, but you have a little bit of a safety net, which is, which is just amazing. So just thanks to all the doctors, all the scientists who have helped us do it. And, and uh, it's just great to be able to be back in the company of friends again and to be uh, sharing great sports experiences with, with you guys again here on the air. And your wife helped us get there. Uh, thanks for doing this, John, and uh, have a great one tomorrow night uh, and enjoy uh, this cross-border series, first of its kind that uh, that we've witnessed uh, since the start of this whole pandemic, and you're, uh, you're right there with it. So uh, uh, enjoy the ride, bud. Well, Darren and Ryan, thanks for having me on the show and all the great conversations. Really appreciate it. And please do stay in touch. And uh, I'm loving my time here in Vegas as always. You guys have been so so great, great, gracious to me, and I feel very welcome here right now. Thanks so much. Ride that wave, whichever way it goes, uh, John Morosi. Uh, <laughs> I will follow the wave, my friends. I love it. Thank you so much. With us on the VGK Insider Show. So it's super slow mo, Ryan. That's what we got to get the fans doing. Again, I'm okay with a super yeah. slow mo wave. As long as it's going clockwise, that's all. That's it. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll set up hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. You'll hear from Pete DeBoer, as well as uh, update you on a couple of things uh, around the National Hockey League. Game two about to start between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. The VGK Insider Show one-timers on the way on Fox Sports Las Vegas. He's down Vegas pulled away from the avalanche. Now out in front. Tuck puts it toward the goal, and it's tipped in at the back door. Matias Yenmark waiting for it at the left post. And the Knights lead 3-1, seven minutes to go, second period. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Dan Duba. Calling one of a couple of goals that were scored right off faceoffs last night. It was kind of an interesting game in the sense that Vegas wasn't dominant in the dot, but made them count and uh, and led to a couple of goals. Part of a 4-1 win. Game one of the Stanley Cup semifinals goes to the new kids in the block. But again, again, almost everybody's new compared to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, who are Cinderella's team. And you wonder just uh, how much... Uh, they can compete against the bigger, heavier Vegas Golden Knights. It's one game. Vegas uh, wins the first game for the first time in this 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs. Game two tomorrow night. And Ryan, a, a little bit later on, we're we're going to give somebody a chance to qualify to go to game two tomorrow night. Heck yeah, we are. Pay attention. In hour number two, we will be doing a giveaway in hour number two. And you're going to want to be ready to go with the call-in number. You all know what it is. Be ready. Uh, Bruce Cusick, uh, who was in studio a couple of weeks ago, the uh, PA announcer at uh, Vegas Golden Knights games, uh, he said that uh, he watched an indoor, indoor lacrosse game one time. They had waves going in opposite directions, and they were both in slow motion. And I said, we got to get that thing happening at T-Mobile. He said, we'll have to chip in for Ryan's psychologist. <laughs> Yeah, you will. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to see that happen to you, but I would like to see a slow motion wave. Uh, when we continue, Pete DeBoer talking about game number one and what's in store 
First time that they faced the Montreal Canadiens in 2021, and it went the Golden Knights' favor. But there's always room for improvement uh, as the Golden Knights uh, do start off on a good note uh, for the first time in a series in these uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. So we'll dive into that. Plus, game two between the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's a key one for the defending Stanley Cup champions. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us.